Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to another episode and another year of Remap Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and this is episode 29 for January 5th, 2024. Today, we are joined by Ricardo Contreras. Happy New Year! Hooray! Pat- <laughs> yeah, it's it's been great so far. Uh, and Patrick Lepic. When are, when are you legally allowed to stop saying Happy New Year? What's the cutoff? To a person, we're first week, right? We're like, we're first like week, we're there. We're right there. I was, yeah. I was, I was, you know, well, like, it's the fourth. This will go out on the fifth. The first uh, time you see someone after the new year, yes. you're allowed to say Happy but, New but Year. It doesn't, is... But it doesn't, it doesn't extend, Pat. No, you can't be like, <laughs> I haven't seen you, and it's March now. I'm like, Hey, Happy New Year. <laughs> no, the, the, okay, the, the, the that's. Well, I don't think. Okay, look, look. I look. I'll look for a reason to drag Kato, but I don't think Kato was extending. <laughs> no way. To March. Uh, I will probably uh, have talked to that person anyways, right? Like, that's the thing. But the first time in the first, like, what, two weeks, maybe? I might stop saying it by Tuesday next week. I, yeah, I think, I think it, it does depend somewhat on the frequency of, like, let's say you usually see a person once a week. And then for some reason, you don't see him on that first week of the new year. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, I would have said Happy New Year. So I'm just sneaking in in here. <laughs> yeah. In the second week. Belated, like, you, you but still. Me. Yeah. So uh, I am. I'm currently sitting here with probably my my best Christmas gift. Uh, my Ember. My Ember smart wow. mug. Wow! Wow! Yeah, you know it's. People weren't lying. Patrick wasn't lying. This thing. <laughs> it's it's nice. Like I made this coffee a little bit a bit ago, but then it was you know it wasn't quite podcasting time, and I wanted to save that coffee for podcast time. And I didn't want to be like lugging a big thermos around. So it's just been like sitting in its little mug being kept at a perfect temperature. And uh, that's pretty good. What so, counts as like, a big thermos? There's two different sizes. Uh, well, well, the, I mean, Rob, you and I may get into this to a separate podcast next week. But I think believe the Ember <laughs> itself comes in two sizes. I presume you got the larger. The big the boy. The big yeah. Boy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, a small, I'm a small coffee cup person. I don't like the the giant mugs because I drink slowly. And mm. so the option in front of me is to go gulp, 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 which I won't do, or to, you know, heat it up all the time. I mean, I have a heater, Mr. Coffee, $10 uh, on my desk that gets the job done, but I'm not surprised that Rob has the big ember. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool. Like you just like I want this to be a couple degrees hotter, and so it's just like every sip is kind of your perfect sip. You just like have it at that exact like. When is the coffee best to you? You can just you can just keep having it. Ah, uh, but then you again, I feel like I'm spoiled. But like you'll you might run into this, but you'll forget that it's been off the charger for an amount of time. Like time to heat that bad boy up, and then you go over to check the take a big old sip, and what you've got is some some cold coffee. And it's like, well, I guess I need to now take this coffee. Dump it into a normal coffee mug, and then heat that. Like it gets a little complicated uh, if you aren't if you don't have a charger. Uh, well, and also it's got some weird wake up. Like there's a button on it that's supposed to let you turn it off, but it's got some mm. uh, the the Bluetooth control through the phone has the ability to turn it on. 
And it just does that. So I'll be like hitting the button to be like, I don't need you to be working right now, Ember Smart Mug. And it's like, cool. And then I just watch the phone, turn it back on. And it's like, hey, get that empty mug heating. And it's like, what, what is going on? Like, stop that de- the battery definitely down. happened where I've looked over and it's like, oh, well, that is, I feel like that coffee is now permanently ingrained in the, um, in the outside of that mug. A nice little stain. You ever think that sometimes we've made things too smart? <laughs> it's not listening to you, Rob. It has a mind yeah. of its own. Look, Whoa, yeah. look who turned look, look into an AI doomer over the break. <laughs> look, I will happily say that I'm a fucking Luddite. I was I was asking how big is too big, because I really love this thermos specifically. Oh, that looks great. That looks like perfect size. It's a 16-ouncer. Like, yeah. Um, And then, like I will even go to like the coffee shop next door when I want a latte and have them put it, put it in this. And it fucking... I don't know what this is. This is it's a fellow. They it stays hot forever. I once or or cold, which is great. I had an iced coffee once that I left on my desk for twenty four hours, and there was still ice in it. The next day, I tossed it, but still, right. the 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 temperature control was amazing. I was expecting a much worse number than twenty four hours. Like you were gearing me up know. for past twenty four hours. It's Christina's coffee. That's, yeah, that's the Cotto method. Hey, no. when did I forget about this? I don't know. You want coffee? <laughs> the real now, now cotton. Now, kind of, have you thought about taking a burrito and putting it inside, inside there and the- seeing how it contains, <laughs> how it uh, maintains it in. A, a day later? Oh, God. I'm sure that, I'm sure it would be delicious and fine. Put that, if <laughs> there are thermos it. companies that are leaving money on the table by not just like, it'd just be a different like opening. It's a burrito basically. sleeve. Like, you just be like, it's a burrito holder. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a, a burrito you know, sleeve. It could have something that uh, hangs <laughs> off the door handle. So yeah. when the DoorDash person comes, they could just whoop, God like lo- lock in the freshness. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, you know, a little slider to on it too, and so you just like extrude your burrito back out at you I'm as s- you as you eat through it without having to like keep tearing at the uh... at the at the foil. I can't believe we haven't reached like lock boxes, but for DoorDash deliveries yet. You know, like I feel like we're on the precipice. Of this, I like... sh- are you? Sh- I uh, I feel like that probably exists somewhere. Someone that has like feels a hot like box something. where you can like. They just slide in your pizza or whatever, and you can come pick it up at your leisure once they've said that the, that it's there. <laughs> Dude, that feels like a thing that must exist. Yeah, I feel like it. It probably does. One of the new places near us has like a giant, like Amazon drop-off point uh, in off its lobby, uh, which is like, you know, it, it it's effectively a fancy. It's a it's a fancy mail room for for Amazon packages. It seems functionally the same as what's going on in our normal mail room, mm. which is just package chaos. Right. But I guess there's a little more order with things going into lockers. Right. Uh, but it still seems like you're living in the same world right. of yeah, having to schlep down there. And it's one of those things in my building, especially. Uh, it feels like there is such a. It's like a collective action problem. Like nobody just wants to. What we need is we just need to pay somebody to run packages from the mailroom to the various apartments. And then people can stop leaving like snarky little messages on the message board being like, hey, always get your packages within a day of them being delivered. You can't just leave them on the floor of the mailroom. And it's just a constant point of contention. And everyone's mad, especially this time of year. You know what fixes that? Thievery. Uh, Parcel theft? What? (laughs) Yes! Yes, exactly! The real real big motivator to grab things when stuff starts randomly disappearing from the mailroom. 
Well, this is the time of year too, where like you can set you can set your calendar by it. <laughs> Every year there is going to be some sort of usually Omaha steaks related disaster in the mailroom. <laughs> like, Omaha steaks. Some somebody is like, hey, I don't know what to get this person. You know what I bet they'd love? A big crate from Omaha Steaks oh full God. of not steak, but various other treats. <laughs> well, steak is expensive. Yeah, well, you, there's like two steaks in there, but also like four apple pies uh, yep. and uh, various other desserts and mashed potatoes that are frozen oh and that you'll God. never yeah. actually use. But then it's like, all right, well, that, my Christmas shopping's done. I sent that person like 20 pounds of Omaha Steaks food. That'll really make their holiday. I'm not going to tell them I sent this. No. It's going to be a surprise. Wrong. Wrong. And so just every year, every year, <laughs> there's some sort of like, hey, uh, somebody needs to get that Omaha Steaks box. Uh, it was, oh, it's been there for a day. Like, you, you know, you probably want to get it out of there. Cut to like five days later. You need to get your Omaha Steaks box out of the mail room. It is beginning to smell. There's just need. Yeah, I, I think it's probably illegal. For the building to do this, but honestly, a like five, they gets cleared out every five days. You know, like good luck, come get it or not, or have someone else come get it for you. But we're clearing this shit out because, especially food, food, <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I does anyone like? I don't know. The surprise is not that big of a deal anymore in Christmas. It's like, why wouldn't you, especially when food is involved, why wouldn't you tell someone don't surprise that it's me on the food fucking that I don't way? Know is coming. Absolutely don't, not. <laughs> don't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Some, one year I was that person. Somebody was like, hey, did you enjoy that Almas takes box? I was like, you mean the thing I found <laughs> in front of my apartment uh, the day we came back from Chicago? No. Yeah, uh, that didn't, didn't super enjoy it. Friend, oh, uh, no. it was not neither did my neighbors. Yeah, yeah, Bad but scene. you know, uh, it's it, that's just part and parcel of uh, of of this time of year. Yeah. So, you know, I think we all made we all had some intentions, we had plans for <laughs> the holiday break. Um, you know, playing lots of games. I didn't play as many as I would have hoped. Uh, not a big shocker there. Um, I would say, like right now. So Mina's is doing fine overall, but let me tell you something about like having a dog with cancer that appears to be responding really well to treatment. Like things are, things are as good, I think, as you can expect them to be, but you cannot take anything for granted. The number of things that you're like, eh, dog's being weird or eh, dog's just not hungry or eh, dog probably got too many jerky treats the other day and is a little upset. All of that now is stuff where the doctors are like, eh, we need to see her. We need to evaluate what's going on here. Mm. So we are now, I think, since uh, Thanksgiving, once a week at least, it is take the dog to urgent care time. Usually at night. (laughs) Sometimes. Increasingly lately, they, they they take pity and are like, Bring her in in the morning, uh, you know, then there'll be a full care team to to evaluate what's going on. And the evaluation is usually, yeah, she uh, she's got indigestion. 
She's not like all the all the chemo and the antibiotics to like sort of counter the chemo. Those just cleared all those good gut bacteria right out. And this dog is just a just a a real disaster. Um, But getting to that point where it's like, hey, your dog is not your dog's actually okay. Like she's not dying. She's not she's not really she's not doing poorly. Um, Just take her home. Give it some time. All of that takes like. Probably all in like a six a six hour ordeal of like rising concern about the dog and then like the the wait at the uh the pet urgent care, which is really bad around the holidays because there's tons of treats in people's houses that dogs have like are not used to and get access to. And so around the holidays, pet urgent care is just like a parade of Labradors and, and Goldens uh, that are like, uh, uh, my dog ate the entire bucket of <laughs> caramel, cheddar and butter popcorn, <laughs> like oh, the, novelty, no. the novelty drum of the popcorn. It's like, is that good? Is that OK? Because uh, my dog's acting weird. I'm good. Right? And so it's just like you're just like in a row with like, well, yeah, what do you think would happen retrievers. if you if you ate the entire bucket of popcorn? How would you feel? I'd be happy. Yeah, like <laughs> I'd enjoy it, actually. <laughs> I love those popcorns. <laughs> I mean, like until you get down there where the kernels are, where yeah, it's like uh, it's unconscionable. They don't do a better job sorting out the kernels because yeah. it's like, you know, that last the last like two inches of that it's like we're trying to take out a tooth. <laughs> is that the children's equivalent of the Omaha steak? Is getting the three like three t- types of popcorn like in the big tin? Like I don't know what to get you, fucko. Like here's three types of popcorn. Hope you like one of them. <laughs> Except, except a child will always love the. See, I think it's just it's a proven winner. The Omaha steaks thing, it's it's not right. It's like <laughs> oh, there's microwave mashed potatoes. That's fine, I guess. But I have never met the child who wasn't like fuck yeah, a giant drum of popcorn. Except that they always make one of the flavors butter popcorn, and it's like that doesn't travel and that doesn't keep. Like no. y- you know what? Give me white cheddar. Give me white cheddar. Yeah. Yellow cheddar, and then the caramel. And then that's a that's a perfect drum. I feel of, like of popcorn. I feel like it's it's uh, riskier being a savory thing than like candy, which I feel like every child loves no matter what. But you're right that I I also don't know the kid who doesn't like it, but I'm sure they exist somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, like you know, children. Uh, Cheese dust, the cheese, cheese dust flavoring. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, it's a strict. <laughs> is that savory? Is that really savory? Because it's like mm. it's chemically formulated to be irresistible to humans. <laughs> and like, you, you know, you just watch what happens when like kids get hold of like Doritos or Cheetos. And I think you're 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 That's you know in, in good territory with the with the thing of popcorn. Uh, but anyway, so it was like it was a Christmas break full of like some gaming and a lot of like looking at this dog and being like. Why does she look sad? <laughs> is she dying? And the answer is no. But it's it's just constant, like just the just the constant analysis of like what's going on, what's going on with this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did manage to play some things. And I think um, I think my big question for y'all. Wait. Yeah. Before you, I I felt a segue going into games really quick. But do we actually want to check back in on the things we said on the goatee pod as far as like what we were going to do on the 22nd and the 29th? <laughs> do you remember? I don't, oh, I don't remember yeah, what I said. That didn't happen at all. 
<laughs> oh god, you're right. That's a really good point, Kato. Uh, I remember what I said because one of them was contingent on me traveling. A thing that did not happen. You were going to be at Disneyland. I was going to be mm-hmm. at fucking Disney mm-hmm. World on the 22nd. Uh, did not go to Florida. Uh, case of COVID ran through my family's house. And so I had to cancel Pretty my rare flight. these days. You know, It's weird. You don't hear about it that oh much. Uh, just doesn't seem... I mean, certainly no one on this podcast would get a two uh, uh, holiday breaks in a row. Like, what are the chances of that? Uh, it... Uh, it's fun, yeah. Like earlier this week, today, yesterday, New York announced that mask mandates were back on in like uh, hospitals, hospitals yeah, and stuff. Doing it in Illinois. Yeah, I feel, I feel like there's still the like occasional blue mm-hmm. state that like they're not gonna. Look, <laughs> Let me tell you, you about go to a Florida, though. You go to a, look. You want to go to a restaurant? <laughs> we're done. Like we're not doing any of that shit again. Like uh, like unless kids start dropping dead in the streets, never again. But. You will see even in these places, like I think Illinois just started mandating for hospitals and urgent cares and things like that. Like, please just put at least make at least at least yeah. put like a, a piece of cardboard over your face. Just try like literally do anything. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. It's just like there's so there's so little uh, kind of like messaging around it these days that like when I showed my family like, hey, the numbers look bad in uh, Florida. Y'all being careful they're like what do you mean the numbers are bad what numbers it's like they stopped talking about it down there specific i mean a lot of people i think most people are yeah. even people that took it seriously are like there's not a lot of communication going on like the numbers are up the numbers are down well and what are it's, you gonna do like it's no longer information that i can really use to guide any decisions because it's like uh, I still have the same risk. I still have the same risk vectors that I did, you know, two years ago. It's like the elevator in my apartment. Uh, we don't yeah. go to restaurants hardly at all. So only, it's, yeah, it's really only like, outdoor eating at restaurants. Yeah. So it's, it's really elevators, right? It's elevators yeah. and the occasional like, well, the now the veterinary appointments. Well, well that's um, like that's the thing with like specifically my family, at least like they because there was no talking about it. They're like, oh, it's just safe to be anywhere. Right. Like they were eating indoors. At in crowded places like malls and things, and like, of course, event like they got hit just during this time when everyone's traveling, and like, there's just a lot of it going around. So it was like just a really unfortunate time. Luckily, I had a fare that I could push, so I didn't just like lose the ticket, which definitely has happened to me in the in, before. Um, and like, they're all okay. Like, uh, this was the first time for many of them, and. I'm I'm the eldest of my siblings, so like they're all healthier than me, probably. <laughs> um, but uh, it was, yeah, unfortunate. The, and then also because I got fucking I got sick on the twenty second, twenty first, twenty first or twenty second. I got sick. You'd had COVID before, right? Like yeah, I have you had COVID had, like in November. Yeah, I had COVID. I didn't get COVID this time. Because uh, I went and got a PCR. It wasn't COVID, RSV, none of the big ones. But I was laid the fuck out, whatever it was. I think it was just like a sinus uh, uh, infection that was like really, really bad. Like just like the common cold hit me and it hit me harder than it normally would. But so like the 28th and the 20, the 22nd and the 29th for me were uh, starting to get sick and then being on the tail end of being sick. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so the 22nd got, I think that was right when, so there was a few days of like, Oh, my throat feels scratchy. That doesn't in a way that doesn't seem good. Yeah. Um, and then a few days of denial where it's like, no, no, you know, it's just that we had that big storm. The weather dried out really suddenly. Of course, my throat's scratchy. Of course I feel, you know, I've always got a little post nasal drip and the, the weather changed and that's why my throat hurts. And then like the 22nd, 23rd, I was like, I've got like little, I'm very cold. My muscles hurt a lot. Uh, And Uh I was like, I, you know, I'd cleared a couple tests, but like the third test was like, no, you are, you know, we're now like four days into it, which by the way, here's the other thing. Uh, I was basically the tail end of the Paxlovid window and I called the nurse and she was like, uh, sounds even symptomatic for like four or five days. Paxlovid's really you want to get that in there in four or five oh days. So she's like, but here, here's the thing I will say. Uh, compared to my first go around with COVID, this wasn't shit. Like, this was nothing. No. Um, I feel pretty lucky that for me, this time it was like the, the, you know, it was a seasonal cold, effectively. Not even a, not even a particularly bad one. Um, like, I was pretty religious about just hitting it with like tons of Sudafed every day and controlling those symptoms. If anything, I think after a point, the, uh, the cold medication medication begins to fuck you up more than the cold (laughs) where it's like, Oh my God, I've never had sinuses this dry. I don't think humans were meant to, I don't think humans were meant to do this to their, (laughs) to their nasal passages. Um, better than like snorting and sniffling, but there were times where it's like, it was like the air was punching me in the face repeatedly just because like oh, yeah. the, everything was so dry uh, that like everything was like sort of swollen and inflamed. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as, as last year, but it did mean that, yeah, second, second COVID Christmas in a row, uh, you know, still pretty laid out for two or three days there. Um, yeah. So that was that, you know, that was that was my holiday. Patrick, did everything go according to plan for you? Roughly. Yeah. Uh, watched, uh, we'll talk a lot about this on o- uh, HOA next week. I, my, the first week was a lot of housework. I had over the past month made a list of things I needed. Like I would walk around the house and there's so many things that in a place that you live, you go, I should take care of that. And then it filters in away <laughs> until like you encounter that little tension and it's not something that rises to a pipe. Has, you know what I mean? Like that has to be taken care of. It's like, ah, well, that's kind of a pain in the butt. I should, I should look into that. And then you just deal with it. You get past that tension and move on. So I spent December. I was like my, I was like to my wife, I was like, Hey, when you have one of those tensions, like I'm going to spend most of my first week, like trying to get as many of those done. So just write it down in this shared note. And then I'm going to tick off as many of those as I can. So we'll get into those because a lot it was a lot of fun house stuff. But that was most of my my first week was like calling people for appointments and getting stuff like that set up around around the house. Uh, and then finishing Alan Wake too, which we can which we can get into. Did you finish um, it or did you finish yeah. the first draft? No, I, it's called it's called looking up on YouTube. I was they didn't. I actually think it was kind of crummy that they hid that ultimately a very minor change behind an entire playthrough of that game. I don't think that was the way they should have, even though I think that ending is great. Uh, but, uh, 
but yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, I, I played a bunch of games, watched a bunch of movies, and um, I was fortunate to to not get uh, sick over uh, the holiday. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I gave my child a Tamagotchi, which wouldn't shut the fuck up on uh, Christmas oh, Day. Mistakes. But then eventually we... Yeah, eventually we just uh, stuck a pin in the back of that one and said, go back in your goddamn egg. Uh, and uh, if my child asks about it again, she can play with it. She hasn't asked about it. And so that's 20 bucks that was just getting shoved in the Wow. <laughs> I'm looking for my Tamagotchi. It's, I think, similar. <laughs> I, I lost, it's dealing drugs. I lost no, track it's, of it. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, so. an, it's an Evangelion Tamagotchi. You got the little Evangelion kid. Oh, I, don't like I that. saw that. Yeah, they have the. Yeah, they still. So they still sell the '90s Tamagotchis. Uh, yeah. I forget how they brand those uh, now, but it's 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 exactly what you think it is, which is like a display that is impossible to look at at in most light situations. Yeah. The UI explains nothing about itself. The buttons are there's just three of them. Like, what do they do? Figure it out. Um, and uh, but they do scale all the way up to. Um, like what, like toy watches are very popular amongst kids. There's mm-hmm. a Tamagotchi, one of those. There's one that connects to the, uh, like the Tamaverse or like, it's just like an online place where you can do like quests and them. It's, it, there's a lot of Tamagotchi chasing modern trends, hoping to, to catch some of the, yeah. the lightning in a bottle they had in the nineties. But I don't, I don't know that that's coming. I think mostly what Tamagotchi exists is to get someone like Kato to buy an Evangelion. Yeah themed Tamagotchi because they have a whole they have a whole license section that mostly seems to be anime yeah. um it, it kept it came out right when the last of those movies was coming out yeah uh, that and adds you, up. It, you, you can get all the little angels you know and they evolve yeah, into very the other cute. angels it's very funny do they poop yes you have okay. to clean up the angel poop cool <laughs> you have to Great. feed the angels I was wondering if they 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 were like the the license restrictions forced them to come up with more <laughs> creative ways of interpreting things like cleaning the shit up. Um, but I, well, I'm, there was I'm you, have to, that, you have to kill a clone every now and then. There's <laughs> a battle. There's a there's a small like you have to do an angel fight and you have to like do a little mini game where you like avoid falling uh, like spears of Longinus or something. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, it ran out of batteries, and I meant to change the batteries, and now I've misplaced it. I don't know where it is. That's the, it used that's to, it used the story of a my, Tamagotchi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the whole lifespan, which sucks, because yeah. I was close. So this one, they're pretty intense as far as, like, you have to do certain things over, like, a, a period of, like, I think most of them is about a week to unlock mm-hmm. other deeper, like, angels. It's like win X amount of times at the minigame, feed it only on these odd days or shit like that, and you, like, unlock a new one. And then if you do the right thing to the new one, you unlock the other one. And I almost got to the the end, but I was, you know, too goddamn ADHD to uh, keep track of that thing. The The last thing that you can unlock is Kaoru, because he's technically an angel, which is very funny, but it requires, uh, like, four weeks of paying attention to this thing every single day. That's a lot. <laughs> it's like mm. a whole month of just, like, I'm going to not miss when I have to do these specific time, uh, specific mini games. Kato, I'm, I'm, I'm as neurotypical as they come, and I don't think I could do that. I, I could do organ. I, I don't think, I think yeah. that's not made for anybody. No. I think that exists for <laughs> There's a There's Tamagotchi sickos out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So, 
we we touched on Alan Wake uh, a bit, and that in, that was probably the the game I spent the most time with over break. Um, obviously, it made more bittersweet by the fact that I, th- I think this happened shortly after the Game Awards, right? But uh, James McCaffrey passed away of um, yeah. multiple myeloma. And I wasn't aware that he was he was sick, um, but it's you know it's obviously very very sad for anyone. But like you know, if you've been playing Remedy games like since Max Payne, like you've been hearing James McCaffrey for like twenty years at this point. Like he's just kind of been a fixture, a voice, a voice you hear when you're when you're playing games a an, an awful lot. Uh, and so it was it was it was really it was really devastating to hear that uh, he was gone. I'm, I'm glad that in some ways. Whether or not they knew he was sick, um, a lot of the stuff with like the way the Alex Casey stuff is handled in Remedy in in uh, Alan Wake does feel like kind of a send off for the concept of the character uh, that sort of was the foundation of all this. But um, yeah, like really really sad news for for a guy who ended up being the uh, you know a, a a foundational performer in. Rem, you know, in in what what we're now is like the remedy expanded universe. Yeah, it was interesting to see in a lot of the write ups. Uh, I consider Max Payne like most people play PC games in the '90s. Like Max Payne is a big deal, and I know that it sort of hit the wider culture because it came out, you know, in the same era as the Matrix. It was clearly like playing off like the uh, dy- uh, dynamics and the choreography of the matrix in terms of how it was depicting its action. Um, those two are, are linked. And so Max Payne shared a certain amount of like pop culture uh, uh, sort of awareness, but in reading like the write-ups, like even like the TMZ one, which I think like, you know, like unfortunate, like whatever you think of TMZ, like <laughs> celebrity deaths tend to be credibly broken by them uh, first uh, these days. Like, Max Payne was like, top of credit of like who who do we associate this actor most predominantly with and i think that's that's really fascinating it's a testament to his you know his presence for the character it's a testament to the character itself and i agree with you uh rob like it's not a spoilery to say that i think you know i presume remedy would they're the kind of studio that works repeatedly with actors in different in different ways and probably would have happily found other ways to continue working with McCaffrey. But the where that character is left by the end of Alan Wake 2, where that actor is sort of left in that universe, it feels very fitting whether or not that was written and conceived in in mind with an illness they may have been aware of behind the scenes. Whether that's true or not, it's sort of irrelevant because where it ends up is just a... Because uh, like you, I was playing that after the news broke, and then I found myself, I'm not a collectibles person, but I was going well out of my way to seek, there are little sequences uh, where uh, he, he like does, you know, uh, sequences as, as Alex Casey, some of which are, you find on the main path, others which you find by having to seek them out, like looking them up on the map, and you have to line up the, the, the yeah. camera in the a certain echoes, way in order to trigger yeah. them. And it's like, well, I... I don't really like to do collectibles, but like, what am I going to do? Like I, this, these are clearly probably some of the last performances we're going to get from him as an actor. I cannot, um, I don't know what will happen with the remakes, but those are still actively in development. Like maybe we're lucky that enough of that was far enough along that they'll have a solution. I wouldn't be shocked if they went in a different direction with it to kind of have a, a a clean break um, or if there wasn't enough material, but 
I, I was very, I found myself very moved by a lot of the performance there because there is like, you know, character wrestling with like a sense of finality and their place in the world. And, you know, it's very easy to align that with, you know, someone having just passed of a, of a tragic illness. And so uh really wonderful performance though. I yeah. mean, part of what makes his performance so great in, in Alan Wake too, is that, I mean, it's in line with, Max Payne, but Max Payne itself is so over, like purposely over the top. And the Alex Casey character gets to do more than that, right? You get essentially Max Payne, like trademark adjacent Max Payne in Alan Wake 2. But then you also get the Alex Casey character that is like taking place in the quote real world of Alan Wake that is just a character. Like it's not a parody. Like it's the same voice, like same mannerisms, like, but. There was just a real you got to see a, a real range from that character in Alan Wake 2 that I that I really appreciated that you that wouldn't necessarily get if it was just straight up Max Payne uh, because that has a very specific tone that it's operating in. Yeah, it, um, you know, he was I always liked him a lot as a as a performer. I think, you know, uh, so much of his narration as a trench it gives control it's it's vibe as well like you know the thing that sort of sells you on the oldest house as being this like weird creepy you know uh bureaucratic nightmare is the the trench monologues uh that we that we get um you know he was he was so good as you know when they when they went in a more when they basically turned max Payne into man on fire in brazil uh, with with Max Payne three, um, you know he if that if that game worked, and I think probably it did, but it worked in large part because Rockstar had more resources to throw at like the cinematic aspect of it, and there was a lot more of McCaffrey's work as a performer there uh, to to enjoy. Um, I always felt he was he didn't get. I was always surprised he didn't have more of a film and television career. Like he was in a bunch of things, but uh, the only thing I can really remember uh, him being in was uh you know, he had a major supporting role on the FX series Rescue Me. He was uh, Jimmy Keefe uh, and Dan- Dennis Leary's like ghost uh, cousin friend uh, <laughs> that, that sort of haunted him. But, you know, the, it was never it never as, as as media roles you might as you might expect. Um, but uh, it was it was always nice. It's something I generally like about Remedy's work is that once they seem like once people work with them, uh, they those people seem to be willing to come back, and Remedy appears to like hiring them again and again, um, uh, even for small things. Yeah. And so, you know, who who knows what it's like on the inside of a studio? But it, it always stru- stru- has struck me as like kind of a good sign that, uh, as far as like the the public facing talent uh, at Remedy, like those folks always come back to do something whenever. Uh, you know, whenever Remedy is is up to something, and and uh, McCaffrey was kind of the the template for that. Yeah, I mean, by by all accounts, uh, uh, my understanding is the Mister Door character was, you know, you look at it and go, "Huh," really seems like something that Lance Riddick could have played, and it obviously, very much feels like yes, it was he was supposed to. It was my, uh, um, is I my mean, you know, do you remember? Do you know the name? Of the character, yes, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, again, like quantum break adjacent. Like, yes, like there are, yeah, they, there's, yes. I mean, I think the actor that does play Mister Door in 
uh, you know, they, they found found a, a fine performer who does a, yes. a remarkable work. But oh, this dude—he's terrific! Like yeah. straight up. Um, been a fan of this guy since since selfie. <laughs> uh, the the John Cho, the John Cho uh, Karen Gillan uh, uh, vehicle, but he he played the quirky boss in that, and was like one of those like performances where you're like, oh, there's there's someone with like really terrific uh, dramatic and comedic chops here uh, that we just I haven't seen him in in many things, but yeah, he's he's terrific, and uh, yeah, like I don't know, maybe we will end doing the spoiler cast because there's a lot of like detail I would love oh, to get into. We with, should get without, yeah. Like, yeah. Did you finish it? Yeah. Ultimately, Rob, are you okay? Yeah. All right. Um, where did you? Where did you? Where did you? I mean, we'll do a spoiler cast. I think we should. We've all we all finished yeah. it. Like, I think there's a lot to get into. But where did you? Like last we left, Rob uh, was really enjoying the story, but uh, was felt pretty weighed down by the combat. Um, I don't know that the amount of combat does not decrease as the <laughs> game goes on, and uh, I was uh, not shocked that in, in streaming it, a lot of people said. They hit a certain threshold where they they jacked it down to story mode because they wanted to uh, just like spend more time with the part that they were enjoying. So I'm 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 curious where you ended up by the end of it and if, if you ever felt that tension. Yeah, I um uh, no because because I wasn't like the probably the only time I got into trouble with the combat was when I was going on my collectibles run and uh, just kept getting ambushed in the woods. And getting in just tons of shootouts with uh, monsters. And uh, because of inventory space, I would just start running out of health items. Uh, and I'd be a long ways from uh, from from a save point. So that was the one time where, like, combat started to get a little, like, tense because there were actual stakes to it. And also, I still didn't like it more. Uh, you know, I still – I think part of it is just the – the enemies aren't interesting enough, really, uh, to – to, to make it sing like there's the guys who charge at you. There's the, the big dudes that sort of charge at you, but slower, but hit harder. And then there's the guys who divide and fling, uh, like, uh, scythes at you. And that's kind of it. You just fight those guys again and again. And it never really did it for me. I think really, if you wanted to showcase, like, why isn't this, why isn't this a better action game? Like, why doesn't it, like where are the ways that it doesn't take off uh, as in the previous game, this, this it's big action set piece toward the end is a big rock concert. This is the thing they did in the first game as well, where it's like the old gods of Asgard help Alan uh, and Barry miss you, Barry, you're, <laughs> you're off camera in this game. Uh, we hear about you. Um, but anyway, you know, we, we have the, we have a huge rock concert battle here, just like in the first game, first game is fucking awesome. Like, you know, that that's a great sequence as you're, as you're defending, as you're defending the stage, uh, like out in this farm field here, it's less impressive in part because like fighting these enemies is less satisfying. Uh, they're bullet spongy. Um, there's not like the, like there's not a lot of like movement in the combat. Like your characters aren't that nimble. Neither are the enemies. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I never, I never deviated from the combat. Like I still think the combat is probably one of the big weak points of this game. Uh, that like once the it has a lot of atmosphere, but once it sort of shows its hand, where it's like, and now it's time to fight. That's actually tends to be where the game is at its weakest. Um, and that didn't that didn't really change for me. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite. I wish the enemies were more like the the one you get a couple of times in the game. Uh, you meet it first in the 
uh, in the like an old folks home uh, where it's the it's the enemy that kind of appears the top above and bottom and below the water. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. That's Hate it. So good. Yeah. It's it's and you you only meet it a handful of times and it's less effective every time you meet it. But it's such a unique visual uh, effect. It's such a different way of fighting that I I think I would have preferred fewer fights with more unique enemy variety so that the fights themselves ended up carrying more weight because part of what drags down a lot of the second half of the game is just the, you know, like on the Allen sections, the sheer amount of, I don't know if this is a fight or not. Uh, right. Like do these shadows, are these shadows going, is this shadow that's moving going to attack me or is this one not going to attack me with saga? It's just an overwhelming amount of enemies to the point where I was ultimately thankful to be streaming the game because I would begin to groan at a, at a combat sequence and the, the chat would go, shh, just run. And I would just book it yeah. past, you know, 15, 20 enemies that otherwise I would have spent 20 minutes. I kind of, kind of fumbling through. And so I think I'm, ex- I, I'm interested to see if they return to this format I, I, I think they got more right than wrong. And for uh their in terms of what they could do with a another game in a genre setting like this, of like, hey, we're gonna try another survival horror game. I think there's a lot to build on here that could be a lot more compelling than it is. Uh I think ultimately what really just it hurts it is just the it's the sheer amount of combat. I think there's I think there's too much of it. Uh it makes it difficult to do exactly what you're talking about, Rob. Like the like the exploration aspect of it gets harder and harder as the game goes on and where I'm going to revisit an old area. Okay. Well, the game's also poor at, at, at respawning where I, j- I, all right, I cleared out that spot. Now to go look around the corner. Well, I came back from around that corner. The game's like, ha ha ha. There's three more enemies there. Why? Why are they there? Like, couldn't you have, feel like you could have tracked that I was just here moments ago and not immediately spawned more, but I ultimately liked the combat more than you, I think. So it had uh, more highs than lows for me broadly but i i agree that it's the weakest part of the game and and frankly the reason the reason the game sings as high as it does is because literally everything else is just so extraordinarily strong mm-hmm. i mean uh uh you know if i was re-ranking my my game of the year stuff i think it'd, it'd feel no shame in moving that to number one just because the narrative stuff the saga stuff in particular like a character i didn't know i needed or wanted in fact, when they announced there's a co-character instead of Alan, like, all right. I mean, I kind of waited for Alan Wake 2 for a reason, but I'm man, they more than justify Saga's existence and make her just an incredible, a great performance, great character. Just, yeah, yeah, just a really wonderful story top to bottom that maybe gets a little convoluted and up its ass, but it's Alan Wake 2. What do you expect? It's like by nature uh, convoluted and up its own ass. Uh. Did, did either of you go down the the hunting rifles like upgrades? Yeah, curious. Because I, I found the that- only one I didn't get was the rapid fire mode, where you like land hit after hit and speed it up. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't, I never have enough ammo that I'm like, I want to burn through a ton of a- shots yeah. real fast. Yeah, it's not um, really. The, doesn't seem seem like the vibe for that that gun specifically. No, no. Uh, but yeah, I I. I what are you driving at, Kato? Oh, I was just um it was the it was the thing that kind of saved the amount of enemies in the end game for me because mm. and part of this is also had probably has to do with 
um, specific kind of like gamma settings and stuff because like when I got it tuned to how it looks nice, I was able to see them from far away enough, and I had the you know it's the 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 one where it it bur- it pierces the the shields, so I didn't have to worry about the shields, and it does a little zoom in that like it does extra damage. Yeah. Um. So I was able to like take down a pot of like four enemies before they could see me, and it felt like this moment of like they really didn't make that ever like it felt like at odds with the rest of the way that the the combat is designed yes. right about having to shine your flashlight um but it ended up being like the the way that i went through most of that end game was the the um what's it called uh the the crossbow and the hunting rifle and like hitting yeah. things before before they saw me which made the small every once in a while you'd see like a why is it up like uh like this charm says something about like uh, uh enemies don't see saga as quickly and i'm like yep. is that ever useful that was the first i realized there was a stealth system yeah. in the game where i was like what <laughs> you, if you turn, wait you mean they're unaware if you turn the fucking flashlight off you can walk up to like almost 10 feet with like within why would i notice. turn the flashlight off this is a game right. about having a flashlight right. on right and it's like I ended up exploring that because, like, the amount of enemies started to be so, like, much that I was like, I, I'm just running out of, like, shotgun ammo and so, pistol ammo. All right, qu- quick thing about the hunting rifle. Yeah. Uh, true Rob Zachney form. I missed it before the Cynthia Weaver fight. Uh, <laughs> I was, like, like the trail of bread breadcrumbs, like, led me to the, the, the pond so fast. Right. That sure. I was, like... Uh, I'm going to find that doorknob at some point. No, I really need to scour the nursing facility to, yeah, to, yeah. to get that thing. And I'm pretty sure that fight is engineered to like chink, bang, eat bit. it, Cynthia, which <laughs> is really bit. unfortunate because Cynthia is kind of a hero in the first game and seeing what's become of her hero is actually really sad, but yeah. either way. Uh, <laughs> but like, so for me, oh. that turned into a ring around the fucking circle underground even, thing yeah even with it it's still a little bit that because like the first hit just drops her to the ground and then she starts like running at you um but it helps a lot i think to make that a little faster <laughs> but i did enjoy like this is probably the thing i did enjoy later in the game is like when you did when the numbers of enemies were getting a little intense uh the entire like engagement management you would start to play where it's like okay initiation uh firing the crossbow and you like, look, any game dropping someone like a be- like a yeah. sack of flour with a crossbow. Yeah. Just one of the greatest feelings. Like put a crossbow <laughs> in a game and go whoosh, and like somebody just down, down like the strings got cut. Yeah. It's like this rules and then switch to the hunting rifle, start popping them as they come up. And then like, you know, once you get that charm that gives you the good loot and you have a few flashbangs to throw around and everything <laughs> just getting them all stacked up as they try to rush you and yeah. just like it's target practice uh but my first get my first outing with the hunting rifle I was like all right time to take this baby for a test drive unupgraded i was gonna be <clears> dropping <throat> fools right and left with this <laughs> i couldn't hit shit <laughs> uh it fired so slowly i was like damn that motherfucker moved yeah <laughs> he's, got, he's got speed uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like tag him and it's like Okay, so it's not a one hit kill. All right, well, but this one's, next one puts him down. All right, it's not two two <laughs> shot kill. Well, that's not good because I only got six shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the best uh, unupgraded, but specifically the 
hold your gra- hold mm, uh the, the the hold aim to uh power no, up but they <laughs> they do do an interesting thing with like some weapons it's like you can kit them out for movement right and some it's like stand still yep take aim and if you just like don't do what comes naturally which is like start moving and trading space right uh like in a shooter if you just like yeah just like hold steady take aim hold yeah <laughs> hold yeah. which and is kind of cool so- it's cool when you have to sort of stop yourself and be like no nope, i switched to the rifle stop moving or i switched to the when shotgun that- you gotta let them just come in. Yeah. When one of those wolves are, are coming at you and you're just like, hold, hold, and then boom, you just pop them right in the face and this, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very little is more satisfying than that. I enjoyed those mechanics quite a bit. I I, I was always pumping points into, although I missed most of Saga's upgrades. I just never naturally came across any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, or at least a lot of it. I think the... Well, um, once you get the Mayor Setter charm. Oh, Mayor Setter. Uh... Yeah, but I don't want to go back. I did. I but I didn't want to go back. So like, what happened? I mean, they they start being a little more generous with the paper pieces that you use as the. But I, frankly, I didn't. I didn't. I liked that in you know in the Alan Wake sections. Like, hey, you're in an area. Here's where everything is, and it was sort of. I found it annoying that I couldn't naturally come across enough of the saga stuff on my own, and then had to backtrack to find that stuff. I don't know, more than halfway through the game. Um, I didn't really pick up until later that when you were finding some of the like marks in the woods, that those were like visual indicators that a lunchbox was was nearby. And by the time I realized I put all that together, I mean, the upgrades aren't necessary, really. Like they make things that they make things a little bit easier, but they're not um, like combat's not uh, unbeatable without them. But yeah, I only had a handful of the upgrades by. No, but I do suspect like you probably wouldn't have been as moved to run from all those encounters because like once you do have like all the weapons have like two upgrades on them, the combat gets pretty manageable Uh, and not even that slow because like, you know, those little pods of three or four, you're just like bang, bang, bang. Uh, So like, yeah, it it is sort of specked out to if you don't if you don't chase down a ton of upgrades, you've got your your handful of really critical upgrades and that's going to be like a also feels like that's a difficulty level higher. Whereas, like, once you've kitted everything out, it's like you've taken a half step down in difficulty level. It's like it's yeah. all. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say here is um, something that really grew on me. And, and Kato, I think, you know, you alluded to this a bit uh, in the Game of the Year stuff. But, like, the degree to which this is, like, a multimedia piece of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a photography installation level that we go through. We have immersive theater uh, or at least references to immersive theater. Um but even little things like the way that one song, the Loops Forever song, Ugh. evolves yeah. through the course of the game. Yes. And when there is a major reveal and you hear a verse you have never heard before that effectively is the bridge. Yeah. And the song completely changes its meaning like immediately. Uh, and it's just like little moments like that where it's all so thoughtfully done. Like I liked, yeah. I liked the interstitial, like, uh, you know, needle drops and those little pauses. I, I just love that the game had those breaks where it's like, here's a moment of finality. We're going to let you sit with that. Um, but also the things they did just with the music mm-hmm. through those sequences was, was really impressive. It's like a, it, it's, it's a game that really delivers on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I love that. It, you know, the, the like way it kind of just delineated like these chapters are almost like TV episodes of just like here's the end of the episode. Um, 
like both like I like enjoy just like knowing like okay I can like step away for a second now like, yes uh, it's a good it's a good time to maybe go to bed at 12 30 instead of like just continuing on because this I was such a good bedtime game though <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah. it was a like sun is down like and, mm-hmm. and, like every night this break and kid is like we can play a little while and wait yeah and I was like all right especially because sure. it has that hard cut off and they're yeah you know about an hour and a half apart usually like it was just the right amount of like, because otherwise I could have, there were a couple nights where I ignored them and just kept going and it was like, oh no, now it's 3am and I should be asleep. Uh, yeah. But it's it just like, yeah, it's all uh, ultimately feels so uh, well considered as from um, like all the, the aesthetic trappings feel really well considered, like yeah. both aud- aud- audio and visually like it's a, tour de force <laughs> it's it's just like really really uh masterfully done and like yeah yeah i feel like we should save some for the the spoiler class but like yeah i'm like well we haven't thought we have so much we haven't touched on we haven't actually so talked much. about the story so much that's happening. Yeah. so we'll get to that in the in the spoiler cast at some point but uh yeah i think for now we'll we'll sort of stick a pin in that we'll take a break and back with more of our games of the break uh and then maybe a question or two back after this One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar, you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, REMAP Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. 
and not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Uh, so, Patrick, you finally, you got around to finishing it. I'm pretty far in the game, I think, but I'm no, I don't think I'm that close to finishing it. Oh? But you, you went back oh, to right. Immortals of Avium. <laughs> oh. I, Avium? I mean, I never left. I, ne- uh, I think it's Avium. Avium. <laughs> okay. I mean, Rob, did I, did I ever leave? Um, like, can you really leave a place, um, so like true. that? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, uh, it's not a bit, I, I have been charmed by w- what this game has looked like for a while, uh, now the whole idea of just like, what about Call of Duty? But, uh, is magic. And like, what, instead of a helicopter, it's a dragon. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's <laughs> sure. not sick, actually. <laughs> like, how about instead of an SMG? It's just like, I don't know, rapid fire green dots. Like, cool. I, that's, that sounds all right with me. And so, uh, you know, I, I liked the first couple hours. Uh, I played with it when we uh, talked about it last summer. Uh, boy, I don't think a game in a, in a year where, you know, games were highs and lows in terms of how they were, uh, kind of sold just because of the, the sheer kind of glut of, of uh, great games. Uh, I mean, this one crashed and burned about as about as hard as as one yeah. can go, which is really really unfortunate to see because I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think that lines up with the game that I finished uh, last night. I don't want to overstate. Uh, <laughs> more no, than no, overstate. Um, well, okay. Can I show? Have you been to the Sky Place yet? Sky Place. Uh, have you learned how to Have you learned how to ride the ley lines? The big uh, green, uh, no. The big colored. Okay, I'm. This isn't a spoiler, but I want to show you a clip, and yeah. I, God, yeah. I'm gonna need you to embed okay. this clip into the podcast. I'm unfortunate, and I need it to be clear. Not all the writing in the game is like this. It has it has real highs and real lows, but okay. This part, okay. Uh, this is this is a good one. This is a real high. Okay. Okay. I'm not, okay. I'm not okay. doing this okay. to drag. Okay. The game. okay. <laughs> um. Uh. Okay. Let me pull it up. Let me make sure this is queued at the right section. Oh. Okay. Right here. Okay. So we'll let the ad play and then we'll we'll three two one it. Okay. Got it paused? Well, one second. The ad's still going. There we go. Paused. Yep. Ready. Okay. So it's at 3.30, 34-ish, like roughly? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Hey. 
I'm Jack. This is Devin. Thanks for the assist. Uh, well, what's your name? Kenzie. You're Lucians, aren't you? Also, immortals. Just to be clear. Is that a literal thing? What? No. Uh, we can die. It's just Good. like... Good. Stay back. Hey, hey, watch <laughs> it. Jack, I may have neglected to mention that the Ormic are notoriously territorial underneath their bohemian facade. Oh, that's rich. Coming from a pampered classist jackboot masquerading as some champion of justice. <clears throat> Look, we're just looking for someone that was here a little bit ago. I love neo-anarchist Pablum as much as the next weak-kneed revolutionary. But I think we can both admit it loses its luster when it ultimately results in the destruction of your entire kingdom. That's not what happened. You imperialist fuckos know it. Oh, did I say kingdom? Fucko. I'm sorry. I meant a failed collective that's now just a stretch of gravity-challenged rocks. <laughs> Maybe the next wrong-headed egalitarian social experiment with magic fares a bit better than all of this unchecked calamity. Wow. Does he always love to hear himself talk this much? Well, Jack. I mean, I can't say no. Look, how about we table the culture clash for a bit, huh? We came here on a mission okay, to we can stop there. Um <laughs> Uh, but yes, there 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 is like some fun politics. There's like I think the world here is really interesting. I think they what they do with magic, uh I think even in that section where like the writing I like is really like funny and interesting. Uh, it's stuck with some like okay performances. Uh, like that sort of sums up this game in a nutshell. Like the combat is like pretty good, and like ah, there's some stuff that doesn't work for me, and there's like way too much of it toward towards the end. But it's it's very charming and very endearing, and it's I bright. I just huh, it's bright. There's two things I like. One is that like. It moves kind of fast. It feels it's not like yeah. a, it's not like a serious Sam speed shooter, but like it's nimble. It's a it's a game where like, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, your character controls a little bit more like a sports car uh, than a tank. And two, it's kind of nice to play a game where it's like, you know, there's so many games where it's like, hey, check out these three images. Pay close attention to the really gloomy one because you're going to spend a lot of the game <laughs> trying to peer into gloom, trying to figure <laughs> out where the fuck you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to shoot. And this is like, you like big colors and sunlight? And it's like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, the, the combat is, is like more complex than rock, paper, scissors. But what I like about it is there's a visual language to the combat that is often communicating to you the best strategy, right? Which is like, oh, it's a red enemy. Fight it with red. Oh, uh, over their health bar, it's like charging up. Uh, you have a uh, – I don't think you have this yet, Rob. But like you have a device that you can uh, that you can then like trigger on them that will cause like a temporary explosion around them. And so the game is through its visual design is communicating to the player – kind of like optimal combat strategies that you don't have to engage with. Like every weapon will hurt an enemy. Yeah. It's just, there are better ways to hurt enemies in between a grappling hook, like these grenades that function as a way of slowing down enemies, three different colored weapons that act as a, like not quite a sniper rifle, but like kind of a long rifle, a, 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 an SMG and a shotgun. Yeah. You just, you end up and then, and then eventually you start adding magic powers on top of that, that are color coded and like melee bashing. It's just, I always had a ton of different options in combat that made things feel incredibly fresh. It felt just remarkably different from, even though it's borrowing a lot of the same 
ideas from, oh, this is just a shotgun. Oh, this is just the the SMG. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But how it's implemented yeah. in the momentum of combat, in the pace of combat, in how you're attacking enemies, when you're attacking enemies, why you're attacking enemies, feels, it felt different enough that combined with a world that's really interesting to look at, uh, writing that is all over the place, but hits like some really fun highs, like the clip I just, I just shared. And then I think does some really cool stuff uh, to upend your expectations on like, Oh, I wonder where this story is going. Um, uh, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just surprised by, well, I guess I'm not surprised because I was pretty sure I was going to like it. And I guess I'm happy that it sort of met my expectations of, of what I was hoping for it. I mean, at the same time, you could look at this game as a, uh, the epitome of holy shit games cost too much so that like th- what they what they cost to produce something like this uh, means they have to hit a certain success measure that is that is difficult if not impossible you know look at what you know we've learned from the insomniac uh you know ransomware attack in which <laughs> the most uh uh expen- one of the most expensive games sony's ever made it becomes the most uh fastest selling games they've ever made and they're about to you know they want to do layoffs at that studio that that seems unsustainable. Um, and so combine that with, you know, Immortals of Avium being a new property, um, I think marketed kind of strangely. I think it, I, I don't think it knew how to position itself uh, to to the to a wider audience. But, you know, like there's so many games to play. Not that many in January, though. And if you've got an opening, I just I really don't I think you could do a lot worse than spending your time with this game. I I, I started replaying it as a bit. And then find myself like, well, I've got an evening. What am I going to do? Well, I think I'm going to play more. I think I'm going to play three more hours of Immortals of Avium, actually. It's no The Order 1866, but it's up there. <laughs> it's uh, in it's that ballpark. It's, it's that, that kind of game. Where yes. it's like, yeah, it's got a cool mm. vibe. It's it's a different thing than a lot of other stuff. I sympathize with, like, I don't know how I would have marketed it. Because saying it's like Wizard Call of Duty is, like, kind of true. But it's, like, having way too much fun to be, like, Call of duty yeah. right like the the characters are meeting the way they interact with each other it's not quite it's not quite a call of duty um the other thing is this like again to the point of being sort of a nimble shooter um it is one of the more like fast paced shooters that's out there right now like this is in many ways yes. like closer to Closer to a Halo in speed uh, than a lot of other stuff that you play. It might even be a little, maybe even a little bit faster than that. But like, uh, yeah, it's it's not a, it, it, again, it's not sort of a plotting game where the goal for, for instance, for, each, for a lot of these games, for a lot of shooters, the encounter spaces tend to be arranged like shooting galleries where it's clear, like, go to this point. This will give you cover and then use whatever weapon we just gave you a ton of ammo for. Blast the shit out of these enemies uh, and move on. This is much more of a game where it's like, yes, every weapon will will be effective to an extent. But the encounters are all about juggling space and control, like controlling the crowds of enemies that are dropping in. Well, there is no ammo. Yeah. Um, it's, there's just reload times. Um, now, granted, you have you know, you're using up chunks of slots to cast more powerful spells and you have health vials that you're using to heal yourself. But effectively the game is like, you can use all the tool sets. You're just waiting, waiting on cooldowns, whether that's reload speed or, uh, you know, having to like crush a magic cube so you can cast another spell again. But it is a game that sort of tells you like, Hey, all the tools are right here. Figure out what you want to do with them relative to the geography of the the level design yeah. or 
what they've given you the, uh, so far um, over the arc of the game. And that's kind of like refresh. And even the, I don't think the gear system works. No, it does. If I have all. a critique, it's, it's that. Like, oh, think, like uh, putting power numbers by the weapons is like, they don't feel any different. There's never a moment where I'm like, ooh, this weapon's a 90. I don't give a shit. So there's like, there, there are very rare instances. So like some of the, so yes, there are, there, there are arbitrary gear numbers that exist for basically no reason other than this game was probably originally conceived as like, maybe, well, maybe because it's fantasy. So it's like, oh, it's fantasy. So Schluter gear. time. Um, um, yeah. But uh, effectively on a, on a, on a broad, like the broadest possible picture, all it does is it's just like more weapon gets more powerful as drops like move up, you know, uh, to different colors as you go through the game. There are scenarios. I think it's mo- best exemplified by uh, uh, essentially like uh, shoot rate, right? And so you can like I at one point about halfway through the game had the green uh, uh, magic, which you know kind of functions as like the machine gun, the SMG. Uh, I could just do a stream of bullets for what felt like 30 seconds. And they didn't do a ton of individual damage, but I just did not have to let go of that button and could be zipping around and just do an unbelievable amount of damage before I had to reload that clip. And I loved that version of the weapon. The problem was you can only power that up enough until I got a drop in which the damage outweighed whatever I was getting from that version of the weapon. And then I had to switch to one that, you know, shot for, you know, two seconds instead. And so I would have far preferred a world where like, I like this, this fits my character. This fits my play style. Hmm. Let me just scale in this direction. And instead it's the game is just drags me back towards like, yeah, but you got a legendary one. Like the number's bigger. Like you would rather have the DPS, wouldn't you? It's like, yeah. I guess, yeah, it would. And so the gear stuff doesn't work. It's 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 really more of a distraction and takes away from empowering the player to really uh, slot their their character uh, based on on play style. And this also extends to the world design as well, where it tries to have a sort of you know kind of Metroid adjacent, like oh hey, like you've come across something that you can't interact with yet. Like come back when you've got that power. And it's like. Dude, this is like a linear, broadly linear single player shooter. I'm not, I'm not coming back <laughs> here. And multiple times characters were like, hey, before you go to the next mission, maybe, maybe head back out and see if you can go get that cool chest. I'm like, nah, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, dog. Like, I'm going to go to the next door. I'll do mission. your challenge I'll do your challenge spaces. But I'll do them as I come across yes. them, right? Like, I'm not going and, back and, for them. And I'm not going back for them. And and actually what was more frustrating was the amount of times I would come across something. And sometimes games will try to head you off at the pass. And this game does have a version of this. which is like, I don't think I have the spell for that partner. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, but sometimes it wouldn't tell me that and it wouldn't trigger or that a trigger didn't exist. And so I'd spend five, 10 minutes like, Ooh, like, I wonder if I like use this light thing at this angle, I'd be able to get that. And then I'd go online and like look up the puzzle and it's like, oh, I don't even have the power for that. And that just irritated me even more to agree that I was more or less for the back third, just mainlining the story, not deviating too much. I'd find secrets if they made sense off right off the beaten path. But it's a game. It's like you are definitely going to come back to this first area like and remember these three things that you couldn't access. It's like, no, unless you make me come back through that area again, 
I'm not going to do that. And is there's probably no map. Does it mark it on a map at least? Or is it just like you have I don't, to remember? I don't, it, it, things are marked on a map, but I don't think that it, it's just it's not. not I, I didn't feel the, I didn't feel the pull yeah. and the incentive to go back and do those yeah. things. And usually the way good map design works in games that are pulling from the Metroid style of we're gating something behind an upgrade you don't have yet is that. And the trick of those games, when done perfect, when done well, is that we will take you back through that area so that you go, you get the aha moment of like, right now I can do this. And then it leaves the last 10% to the completionist cleanup crew, right. which is like, I, okay, now I want to do all of it. And here, I would say the vast majority of it is stuff you can't do your first time through a level where you start getting like further and further and realizing there are two or three these puzzles, I can't even engage with. They want me to come back to this 12 hours from now. I, I'm not going to do that. Well, they're not and going to bring the most, me to it, and I'm not going to remember it's here. No, I'm just going to move on. No, right. no, no. And probably the most damning thing you can, uh, you know, extract about how uh, unsuccessful this game was from a commercial perspective, there are no guides for this game. Like, <laughs> a couple of times when I'm like, I want to find out, like, how to do this. They don't, they don't exist, like... Websites will do anything for traffic these days. Game guides are the heart of it. And this game didn't sell enough to exploit a freelancer to do a guide for it, which probably tells you, unfortunately, a lot about where this game sits commercially in a way that like, I mean, I've eventually found stuff on YouTube I can scrub through, but um, I think it's charming. Wait for a sale. uh, But like, you know, I spent 15, 20 hours playing through it and I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it just it scratched a certain itch that I didn't know I needed scratched, and uh, I don't know. I yeah, I I had a great time with the Mortals of Avium. Yeah, I I I think pretty highly of it. I think I you know again the the way movement and combat feel uh, is terrific. I do kind of regret for me, the game never feels more extraordinary and magical than it's in, in its opening sequence. Like you never see anything as cool as that city you're in, in the first like chapter of the game, no uh, suspended over like the magic chasm and sort of being infected by magic. And like the implications of like the entire, like way the society is structured around the fact that like, you live in a giant city suspended above a chasm full of magic. It's all really cool. We never see anything like that again. Um, you do get you do get cool. St- I will like. I, I want to. I want to let you. Uh, you know, I'm gonna let you finish. And if you choose to not finish it, I want to sit here and explain to you some of the world implications of how this world operates. So well, I got to big Immortals say- HQ, which was kind of a big like uh, learn about how the world functions. Uh, yeah, but bro, there's more. Those those. Those fuckers are lying to you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the, and actually, that's again, that's yeah. like there. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, but even just the very nature of magic, why it exists, how it functions in the world is. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of really cool ideas uh, that are. I you know, I don't think this game's getting a sequel. That would be a bad idea for for that team uh, to to probably attempt something like that. Uh, but I think the story where it ends is there's obviously a lot of room for where they could go, but I think it ends up telling a pretty complete yeah. interesting story about uh, <laughs> the world of Avium. Did you find a point? Because one thing that I did slow up my progress through it a little bit was the game felt so much more like, 
happening. There was more energy to it every time Gina Torres was around in the story. And there's a point where she's like, go off with these other characters you've met to go like do adventures. And I'm like, this is clearly the B team. Like, I'm sorry, but I do not want to hang with these characters. I want to I want to hang with you and and see you paint more pictures of extinct animals because because magic. <laughs> Uh, yes yes uh yeah i mean like even the character in that cutscene, like the moment i met her i was like wow this is this is really a fascinating character i cannot wait to spend a bunch of time with them and you don't (laughs) Uh, she's kind of in and out of the story uh unfortunately Uh, hey remember when i everything remember when i used to be in destiny okay bye (laughs) oh is that i mean huh well, uh, Gina Torres was in Destiny, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She, uh, I thought you were saying another supporting character was. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, they they replaced her, though, because they couldn't afford the, the bill. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's like a few uh, there's a few things that uh, when I was as I was listening to you all talk about the progression system felt like there was on some like mood board design document like destiny written somewhere with like a circle and some under- I mean that's what all the underscore it's the same era yeah. right like you know we got Suicide Squad yep. coming out in you know a month's time and yes I, I think this is a scaled back version of a game that could have gone even right. like even, but what's left here is would have been better just being a traditional yeah. well that, that, that's right. kind of right. thing is it feels like that stuff undercuts it where it's like right. we put in a progression system that the game doesn't need or call no. for or want and it becomes a thing where it's like destiny's, why am i engaging with this destiny's gear score is mostly vestigial at this point they haven't raised the, the level cap in a year like even Dest, even the game that like popularized it in the modern like sense for shooter for shooters like didn't might be going financially bankrupt because of it <laughs> yeah. so I, I don't everyone chased a dragon yep. That like, is about to eat the industry. Yeah. Well, and it also feels like a thing that like, is that system there? Because that is what that is a promise you had to make in order to get the checkbook open was right. like, and it's going to be uh, retention going to be um, so high because of a progression system that we're putting in this game. Like the model is going I, to be, it's not a one and done. So EA, this is an EA original, so they didn't fund yeah. it. Um, but I, I believe Steven Satolo over at Axios has this story, but I believe, uh, I forget his last name, Brett, uh, right, you know, he was the creative director on Dead Space. Yeah. Rob and I chatted mm-hmm. with him about a year ago um, when the remake uh, came out. Um, I, it is my understanding, I might have some of the details wrong here, that Brett has an extremely rich friend that essentially, like, just funded this vision that, Brett had for yeah. a game. He should find um, another game then. He should be like, look, I, that's hey, hey, bro, this- do you think it was a good game? <laughs> like, this is the Patreon. I mean, model. look, this look, is I want to true- be, Rob, I want to live in the world where that guy played this game as like, this is sick. I make so much money in finance. Let's do, let's roll, let's back back to Avium. Bro, what happens next? What happens next? Well, I'd love to tell you, but like, I really figured out I need to make another game. Well, how much is that going to cost? <laughs> God. Uh, so I don't th- I don't think that it's uh, who knows exactly like, if external funding comes in. But I do think most of this movie was underwritten, underwritten largely by like one rich guy. And I think a lot of this is just vestigial from design trends that were mm. 
popular yeah. at the time. Um, but uh, very easy to imagine a game like this having a multiplayer mode, right? Like maybe stuff like that was part of the design and like, this is what's left over because you couldn't, I don't know. But It's um, also funny just like, it's a weird way, it, like in terms of what feels AAA, uh, the mocap, the some of the performers they booked, like this stuff is like, wow, you guys really went all in on this. When you're wandering around the world in like places like home base territory and care, like stuff's happening, it don't feel fully triple A in those places. It's like, wow, every character just wears a helmet all the time and repeats like a couple animations. Uh, they really like it's it's very much a static environment except for the few like story characters that are there for you to talk to. Uh, the other thing is just a couple of weird things. Like, did you notice uh, it was really noticeable in like the Immortals HQ building? They are doing something with lighting that I've never seen anywhere else, but it drove me absolutely bonkers uh, because what it would create was as I would like rotate around. What's the way to put it? It almost felt like lighting was all being cast relative to you and not to light sources in the surface they were illuminating. So like as I would rotate around the room, I would see like hard banding of like a uh, play of like light and shadow or a shadow would move around the room as I like rotate my character around. And it looked like just a big gray rectangle moving in parallel with with me moving around it was like once you notice that you couldn't take your eyes off it and it's like what what lighting technique is doing that and how did it how did it make it this far like how does this make it to the end product because like you can't unsee it Um, i don't i don't remember noticing that uh myself but i would not be shocked if that was a byproduct of this being one of the first ue5 games mm. um and so you know one of the big big things on ue5 or the some of the advanced lighting you know things that you can do and so maybe that is i don't know an extent an somebody extension fucked of up a default yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know yeah. um i mean it's yeah it's a it's, it's a gorgeous looking game but i i wonder if um if that could be one of the consequences of being just you know one of the first out of the out of the yeah. gate with that uh but yeah no i i, I enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit i think i I, I I do intend to go back. Uh, maybe, maybe I will now that we've now that we've spoken about it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've spoken, yeah. <laughs> it is a. It's longer than you think, is what I'll say. Um, it's not, you know, I this game might have benefited from being, you know, twelve to fourteen hours rather than you know fifteen to to eighteen hours. By by the end, the game's like so. All right, what do we do in this combat room? Well, we'll just put like three of those things that you fought before because that'd be harder than one of them. Right? You know, you can kind of yeah. feel them uh, like the story doesn't feel padded, but they in the way that you're talking about where there are big like animated cutscenes and things like that, where that's a lot of how the, the characterization happens. But when you get dropped into the world, it's just static and it's pretty. And it's interesting to look at, but you're just going from combat encounter to combat encounter, yeah. puzzle to puzzle. You that whole I think it's called Saren is that that opening area, which is sort of like a, um, you know, a part of the world like you know the lower class, like not everyone has access to magic. Like it's a really kind of interesting setup. Um, but you don't really get a lot of sequences like that where it's like wow, time to walk around and experience a lot of world building with uh society here that's mostly 
said at you through 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 the cutscenes as opposed to to the world. So that's sort of one of those things where like I'm sure this game cost a shitload of money, and even with a shitload of money, you end up with very static storytelling because of just the nature of it. Like you can have a shitload of money, a shitload of money's not enough. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, the mocap cinematics hoovered it up and just cre- yeah, just creating a game that looks this good, but then you can't make it move in the ways that you always expect a game to. Uh Quick question, Kato, as I just look down this list. Um, what is Mobile Suit Baba? <laughs> uh, surprise. What'd you call me? <laughs> uh, the uh, the creator Baba of is Mobile Suit? Baba is you. Mobile, <laughs> mobile, yes, exactly. The creator of Baba is you. Uh, apparently was particularly inspired by playing Into the Breach and decided to make... Essentially, wait, wait, you're not fucking no, around. This is a real game that released like a few days oh. ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I thought we were doing a no. bit. I really thought we were. I was like, I know anime titles are strange these days uh, or always. like No, but this is OK. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm looking at the website now. You are. Yep. Not fucking with me. Uh, it is an into the breach like, I guess, if we want to, because it's very it, it looks uh, very, very similar, similar type of uh, art style. But. You've got the uh, Baba is You characters, including Baba, Kiki, It, me, uh, all of the all of all of the friends are here, and you're doing um, essentially uh, into the breach style kind of movement puzzles, where like you know each each mech, which looks exactly like the character itself, like Baba is just the Baba mech is just a giant Baba. <laughs> Uh, has a specific, uh, everyone has the ability to push one thing, one tile, and also a special ability that's specific to that character. So, like, uh, Gigi can dash and will collide with the first thing that, uh, it touches, and that thing will continue until it hits a wall. Uh, Baba can throw things over stuff, uh, and it'll land and then slide one block. Um, so there's a lot of the similar sort of uh, into the breach positional stuff, except that there's no attacks, really. It's just this movement stuff. Uh, and the classic Baba is you words are on the field. Like some of the, <laughs> some of the times they're like in a corner so that you can't really move them. But every so often there'll be a puzzle that it's just like... Uh, you have to destroy these four enemies, the skulls uh, that just kind of float around. And all the skulls do is they move in one direction uh, until they hit something and then turn around. The thing is that you're trying to protect these uh, fruit stockpiles. There's usually some t- some tiles somewhere on the board that has like a little pile of fruit. And fruit is almost always weak, which means the second that it's touched by anything, it gets destroyed. Uh, so you have to either make fruit not weak, which usually isn't possible um, so far in the puzzles that I've played, uh, or you have to destroy or stave off the, the 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 skulls by, you know, moving them out of the path of the fruit or blocking them in certain ways, um, and you know, playing around with the Baba's you like lexicon. Uh, it, there's less of that than Baba's you had, obviously, because it's like a, a, sm- a smaller grid, uh, smaller s- size than Baba's you. But, uh, you know, one of the puzzles, there's like five, um, like, skulls on the board, and there's a bunch of fire around, 
but the fire doesn't do anything and you see kind of scattered in the corners of of that map the words fire is and death so you've got to <laughs> uh position yourself to block the skull the skulls from touching the fruit while also making your way to getting those words next to each other so that fire is fire does kill things and then push all the skulls into the fire and you have like six turns to do it it's always like around six or five turns per puzzle um so it's very much a uh super tight just like uh it feels at least so far i've played it for like they said there's 43 missions and i think i've played uh like 15 uh the first 15 and it's so far felt very like there is a solution and maybe i'm not i'm not used to thinking in this specific with these specific uh tool sets as much but i felt like in baba is you at least there was it felt a little bit more freeform where like sure you could see that there was an intended solution but sometimes there were fun tricks to get around that or like different mm -hmm. ways to tackle it so far this feels a little bit more because it's on slightly smaller scale the grids are kind of tight um it feels more like there's one there's going to be one solution especially because there's like a, a limited time um, amount of turns that you have to do these objectives in that there's a a little bit more rigidity in that but it's still a really fun puzzle game of just like hey did you enjoy into the breach like movement stuff did you enjoy baba's you fucking around with what is true about the game state you'll love this it's two great tastes that taste great together um and it's four bucks on each dio too for 43 missions uh just like really fun really i just like picked it came out like a week ago <laughs> and i was just like oh i loved baba fully you. absorbed yeah, love yeah. this. Great. <laughs> the, the the uh the description for the game promises heart wrenching storytelling. Kato, are they lying? No, it's amazing. There's so much. There's ups and downs. There's twists. There's turns. You know, like Ooh. Baba Baba. Are you, are you describing Mobile Suit Baba or Immortals of Avia? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, it's it's really great. It's it's very funny. Uh, uh, Baba is the main character and yet can only say the words Baba, but everyone else, mm -hmm. it's like, a, uh, you know, Chewie or a cousin in situation. situation. Everyone else yeah. around, around them understands. And there's just like lots of uh, funny moments with that. Um, but like, yeah, the whole cast of characters that are like existed, have existed in the Baba is you kind of universe, which like, this isn't the only like Baba is you side game that uh he's made uh Hempuli, i think right um yes 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 like the uh all the, like the kikis uh the the me like there's like all they're all in in here which is very fun um and they all there's like a lot of uh you know there's dialogue in in between and during missions and it's very funnily it's very funnily written like it's super humorous in a, in a nice, nice, in a good way. Uh, Baba just going like, Baba, 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 Baba. Like, in the middle of like, Baba, 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 Baba is you. Well, everyone's like, we have to protect the fruit from the evil skulls. Baba's like, Baba, Baba, Baba. It's very funny. It's very good. It's very cute. 
Uh, Patrick, speaking of great taste that t- tastes great together, <laughs> you've got a TV. Yeah. You've got a GeForce Now account with everything yeah. GeForce Now can do. You put them together. Well, okay. So I, last night uh, I finished Immortals of Avium and I was like, well, what else do I do with my life? Uh, and <laughs> I've, you know, when we were uh, s- uh, scheduling out this month, there's, th- it is like, there's a lot happening in February and March. Like this is not going to last very Whew. long, but January is a bit of a breather. I don't play the Yakuza game. So even the end of the month, I'm not, I'm not sweating too hard. Uh, so I'm still like, I still have a chance to tick off a couple of games from, from last year that I wanted to see through. And like, I loved uh, what I had played a Phantom Liberty. I was like, I don't want to lose that. I was like, I want I would like to get back to that. What I don't want to do is go downstairs because I don't want to do that. And so how do I not go downstairs? And for a while, uh, I've had a NVIDIA shield that's just been functionally acting as a Chromecast device uh, in my garage. Uh, I I got one of those devices at some point some years back, and that just became a way to watch television in the garage, especially during the early times of COVID when lots of people were putting TVs in their garage so they could keep the garage open and try and safely be around people, which is the reason we did it in the first place. And so I was like, you know what? I could just stick a Chromecast thing there if I, if I need to put something on there. I wonder, can I just grab that thing Bring it up to the TV. I don't have an Ethernet drop up there. That's something I could fix eventually. We've had this discussion over like the way of cloning my PC might actually be to run it over Ethernet because you can actually apparently you can just do that, like run it all over Ethernet and just kind of clone your stuff with no latency. I was like, yeah, but I got to run things through the wall. That's a little more work. What if I don't have to do any work at all? And I just plug this thing in. Rob, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just hearing noises like I'm not alone in this apartment. <laughs> okay. I know that sounds really ominous, but uh, it is really ominous. I'm like, it sounds like there's somebody in the fucking house. I don't think MJ's back. I'm just text him. <laughs> Look behind you. I just. Oh, yeah, I get murdered li- live on the air. Often when we record, the, you know, the podcast, we can see each other, and sometimes people will get distracted, and you just kind of keep going, and then eventually they'll come back into the flow. And at a certain point, I was like, "Do I need to stop and make sure Rob's cool?" Um, <laughs> but what is cool is that I just, I just stuck that that G four that Nvidia Shield into a spare HDMI input on my TV, connected an Xbox Elite controller. Turned on Cyberpunk, and holy shit, man! I'm just running Cyberpunk, Phantom Liberty at the highest possible settings. I cannot tell huh. that this is not like that this is running through. Uh, now I'm I, I have a little bit of distance. Mm. You know, it's a 70 inch TV. It's not uh, you know, but I'm not across the room. I I'm sure. Uh, and I cannot tell that this is running over the cloud. It is seamless. The only thing that betrays it is. The NVIDIA Shield has really terrible Bluetooth connections to controllers. And Ooh. so fortunately, the internet has solved that for me. Um, and there's just a tiny bit of latency that is playable enough when I was testing this out <coughs> to make sure it worked. But I guess 8-bit do that makes a lot of really great controllers makes a really wonderful $20 like USB adapter that will work 
I can just literally put that into the USB shield uh, or the, the NVIDIA shield and apparently that'll eliminate the little bit of latency that I've got over the, the Bluetooth uh, connection uh, on the shield because it looks spectacular. Like obviously because of the partnership we did with NVIDIA, like they granted us some like, you know, GeForce Now Ultimates uh, like level subs. So I'm getting like the nicest machine running at the nicest settings but it is nice (laughs) and it is nice but ultimately right like they can't solve my in-home internet right and when i've used geforce now on my pc or on a phone uh like running uh you know like on 5g like of course that's going to seem nice those are really kind of rock solid internet connections but what is this thing going to do running over wi-fi dangling behind my tv I don't know exactly if the NVIDIA shield is going to connect to the main router or the satellite that I have on the other side of the house. I didn't mess. I didn't jump through any hoops and all I did was plug it in and it runs beautifully. Once I get the the controller latency sorted with the little dongle, I mean, it's like potentially transformative. Like obviously GeForce now I'm limited to the uh, games that are, added on there but they add a lot of it's quite stuff a few. Um, yeah. it's quite a few and mostly it was like it made me realize i need to get that shit on my steam deck as well because if it's functioning here on the tv yeah because my thought was well maybe it's just not going to work well enough to function well on a 70 inch tv and i'd have to jump through networking hoops to make that work uh but it works just fine which means the steam deck on the couch is also going to work uh just yeah. fine and uh i uh, i'm just tremendously excited because I like having the nice PC. I use it for lots of things, but boy, do I love being on the couch more. I'll just say this. Like, why is wireless controller controllers? Why is that so fucking hard? Like, yes. Can I make my Xbox controller talk to my PC? Sure. I can do that. Is that a good way to ruin every controller game on the PC as connection issues crop up and like, you know, it glitches or I get a like, my first, you know, hour with Alan Wake was it stopping and being like lost your controller, like got like, unless it's hardwired in there, doesn't work. Or th- um, there's a reason for a long time I never moved on from like original 360 controllers because I had the dongle that you could connect in, and yeah, it was this funky little thing that hung off the side of a USB hub on you know a port on my PC, but it was a rock solid connection. I never felt any latency, and so I. I have, I think, one of those for uh, my Xbox controller on my PC. I don't think I connect that one over Bluetooth. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's blue, I think blue, Bluetooth. I think the Bluetooth chips that are built into a lot of things yeah. fucking suck, uh, Rob. Yeah. Like that is that's what I learned from researching the Shield problems was that like it's like the shielding on different devices. Yeah. The Bluetooth chips themselves are bad and so everything talks to one another it's, but the moment you start playing like a game that you know you'd be fine with running, even some stuff running off usb dongles is like huh that's not working as well as mm. it should be like my little razor turret that replaced the the lap dog yeah. frequently is like oh can't quite find that keyboard anymore your inputs are getting a little screwy so you better uh connect it via the hardwire again which feels like you feel like such a fucking asshole where you're like, you have all this tech, all of it's supposed to be wireless, and you're like admonishing the dogs, like, hey, careful, sweetie, careful, don't, don't go running through there. Yeah. All right, step <laughs> over that cable. 
Uh, well, I know that's, is that's why... what I was thinking. I was like, am I going to end up purchasing? Because the, the fact that the GeForce Now part worked perfectly, I was like, I am not giving this up. And if that means that I have to run a 25 foot USB-C yeah. cable, like to, to, to like, I'll put it away. My wife will never see it. It's only coming out after 10 PM, but that thing is going to get <laughs> draped along the ground. So dad can play cyberpunk on this man approaching TV. middle age. Wife goes to bed, looks around, pulls out the 25 foot USB. cable. I am, I, I Talking keep a dirty f- to me, Rob. I keep a this is a 15 foot USB cable uh, around specifically just because like I I set up a Steam New York link. apartments kind of that they're like smaller. Patrick, that's they're that's smaller. like a tw- that's like a 25 foot yeah exactly cable. it's, a, it's the same it's the it's a New York equivalent um, where it's just like I don't know it's all it's never felt good it's never felt uh, uh, seamless enough especially if you want to use the same controller on different devices like forget it like Mm. trying to pair the same thing to like multiple things it never works the way you want it to uh so it's just like yeah i have multiple long usbs that i keep around specifically to plug xbox controllers into different things (laughs) yeah it's it's truly it's truly obnoxious because like uh during this winter break where i've been playing a ton of stuff out like basically since we got tilly and like always has to be supervision. I basically had to shut down my office and move all my gaming shit down here. Uh, so I can keep an eye on the dogs and play games. But it means that like to do anything requires like, all right, this USB cable connects to this. All right, get this one tucked into this cushion where it's not going to slide off when you're like having to plug it in. It's, it's very silly, but the last time I checked out NVIDIA on my uh, GeForce now on my TV, we hadn't gotten the, I was on my founders package, but I hadn't gotten the full 4k upgrade. And let me tell you a big, a big TV was not merciful to like the lower tier of GeForce now where I was like, Oh, this is like, um, this is clearly not as good as I've seen dying light. Look right. Like dying light at 1080 on a giant TV. is just not going to be that look that good looking game. Um, whether it's that good looking game of 4k is another matter versus just resource intensive, <laughs> but regardless, it was like, okay, like I, this needs to be upgraded. I haven't, I haven't tried it out since we did the full like 40, 80, uh, upgrade with it, but I imagine it's, it's pretty good. Like I was playing on a 4k TV when we were doing the wheel and it's pretty extraordinary. And yeah, the, the ability to like, nothing is hooked up, but like, I think all I had hooked up to the TV was the little, um, USB dongle, like straight into the TV. Yeah. for the cable for the uh, controller and that was it and beyond that it's like what do i want to play well what's in my connection that's on geforce now which was pretty nice because sometimes you're in that couch mode and it's like i don't want to commit to installing anything <laughs> i just want to like browse and munch on things yeah that said i the my i um when i when i went to the bulls game last weekend i uh i'd gotten a uh, new version of the backbone, which is like, you know, the the, the device where you can like kind of put a controller on your uh, like your your iPhone because I got a new phone last year and the old one didn't fit. So. Rob, OK, Rob's Rob's looking at the ceiling again. <laughs> <laughs> so is the dog. <laughs> She's not. Are they responding to you? Do they know. No. What do they know? Like she's looking. She's looking. Well, up. you're da- And also you're downstairs because they're, they're doing roof work on your building. But not it's possible. They usually stop that by now. It's dark. Um, 
the only thing I think is like, so it's getting stormy. Like we're in for some real weather this weekend. Um, oh, you have like a like, giant, uh, it's like winter storm. The winds through, are already picking right? up. And I do wonder if the building is just shifting a little bit as mm. uh, we're starting to get like some steady stiff winds uh, coming in from the north. But uh, yeah, it just, it, Patrick, it just sounds, it sounds <laughs> like someone is in the fucking house. It sounds like someone is in my goddamn house. And like, as long as I stay on this call, I'm safe. Because they're not going to murder me. How old is your building again? Uh, a hundred... Years old, old enough to have a ghost. Old enough that there's probably some sort of spirit just kind of hanging out now, I think. Yeah, like, <laughs> vibes around this building, not good, for sure. Um... But they're, yeah. they're finally making um, their presence known. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sorry, Patrick. You were on. You were talking about the backbone, R- right? So anyway, so I was. I, I I wanted to try that on my uh, uh on my way down to the Bulls game when I was taking the train, and so I linked up the GeForce Now, and I was like, I'll just I'll just love Cyberpunk, just see if it works, and like, can it operate a five G connection through a? And I was just putting it through its paces, and. I got connected to a machine and it was like, it was like ready to play. I was like, yeah, it's like, we got to download 20 gigs. I was like, why? I was like, I don't know. And so I spent most of the, most of the train down watching this particular, like I'm, I somehow just got matched to a PC that didn't pull down a giant patch, like prior to me playing the game and then had to sit and watch this machine Uh, with a good internet connection, pull a 20 gig patch before I could then test out the, the cloud part of it, which worked reasonably enough for doing it on a phone with a, you know, a spotty connection that was changing as I went stop to stop. But uh, yeah, I'm just excited that it works on my TV. It's not built in because I have the, you know, I've got the the shield, but uh, it works surprisingly well in a way that I am. I'm very excited about. And I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd put it in sooner because uh, I've been kicking it around for, it was on my list. It was on my list of things. Like what are things that annoy me? It's like, I really got to try that NVIDIA shield. And so then I looked at my list and it was right there. Check. You were saying before that you wanted to put it on Steam Deck. Did, do you mean yeah. that you could put the like GeForce on Steam on a Steam Deck? Well, you can log into the website. You, you it's like so the way GeForce now works on your phone. There's no app. Uh, uh, Apple doesn't okay. allow uh, a native app. I I'm hoping with the uh, European Commission forcing side loading uh, uh, natively in the in the in the EU that eventually. Like GeForce and Xbox will be able to make native apps. Like I'd much prefer to have like GeForce Now as like an app on my Apple TV and not like going to an NVIDIA Shield sort of situation. Right. But it is what it is. Um, but yeah, you can you can jump through some hoops on the Steam Deck to go into desktop mode and then turn uh essentially like a browser window or a browser tab into something that Steam can launch. And then it'll end up feeling pretty seamless that you're just jumping into GeForce now and it picks up on the Steam Deck control, you know, uh, built in controller, which, yeah, you have you used that? I said, yeah, Kato's uh, Merry <laughs> Christmas to Kato. I sent Kato my old Steam Deck. Yeah. Um, Thank you very have you much. Used that at all? I absolutely have. I spent many hours when I was sick uh, playing, playing it. You want to guess what I played? Uh, Baba is Mac. Uh, Baba Mobile Suit Baba. No, no. That seems that seems too hard. Like that's like that's, a lot. Of too thinking. recent too. It just came out. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. like ten hours. A, game, a game that you a game that you can download on your phone. Sure. A game that I yeah, have but- downloaded on my Switch. <laughs> uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> However, the difference here is on Steam, where is where I first started playing Slay the Spire. So there's where all my like unlocks and all that stuff actually lived. Uh, I downloaded I see, I see. it to the Switch once on an airplane because I was just like, I didn't want to do something, but not anything too intensive. I'm not on here long enough, and like I'll probably have to put it away. So Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire is always a good time. But now... It's the actual save game. It's the same game. That's amazing. So it wasn't Slay the Spire? Was it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I was correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's yeah. now. And like that was that was great. I haven't really. You know what it is? Hmm. Slay the Spire is the platform equivalent of the old game you always end up installing on a new PC. Right. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got all the power in the world. They didn't even know specs like this could exist back when they made Bio- this game from 1998. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And yet, uh, Slay the Spire, more Slay the Spire. I think particularly, it's a, I really, you know, I enjoyed playing it on the Switch, so it was just like naturally like, oh, great, I can finally pull over the... Uh, the ascension and up- upgrades that I've unlocked on my Steam save because it has cloud saves. Uh, now it's all continu- 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 continuous instead of being split up ac- across those two platforms. Um, but it's it's great for uh, not leaving the couch for three days because you just like yeah. feel like shit. <laughs> uh, and like I I tried to play um, what's it called uh, uh, the banished vault. Yeah, that's the yeah. name of that game. Yeah, um, that requires some real thinking. Yeah, which is it was just like all right. It's a little. It was a little fiddly because it's like the uh, moving things around the UI wasn't super intuitive. Uh, and like the, yeah. I thought that the that you might be able to use the little pads to like just simulate mouse movement. But it doesn't work that way for some reason for the whatever the default layout is. Um, so it was more just like I'm dragging the uh, the I'm using yeah. the right stick to drag around the little cursor, and it's just like a little slow to get around from one end of the UI yeah. to the other. So I forget does that game have an undo? No, I don't think so. Does yeah, it? maybe. I, I feel like it doesn't because I feel like one of my frustrations was like. Your margin for error sometimes isn't real good. So if you're not right. confident in that control, I remember play, right. playing a bunch of that while, while watching Armageddon. And eventually <laughs> I was like, I really, I need to have a little more fine control. Over right. This. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure what is going to be the next thing I try, but I want to see what else I can, I can get on that thing. Um, uh, I need to figure out how to get all the, uh, the fun stuff. On there, you know, your and such. <laughs> you have waited long enough that the hoops to jump through those are pretty minimal. Like basically, yeah. all you need to do is connect a keyboard and mouse over USB, um, go into desktop mode and go to the alternate app stores. Nice. Um, or not even the alternate. There's a app store in the OS that is right. You know that, that runs like there's the Steam. Steam TV, I forget what they call it, but like, you know, a big picture, right? Like that's what they right, called, right. like the, their, their modified OS and Steam, the, what you see on the Steam Deck is a modified version of the picture mode. Um, but what's under there is just like a Windows, you know, GUI uh, looking thing. And there's an app store in there where you'll be able to. Nice. You'll be able to hack so many old video game consoles. <laughs> uh, Gato, uh, it's and, uh, and, surprisingly big, you know? Yep. And pulled it out of the box. I was like, huh, that's a lot larger than, and like, 
you know, sometimes I just have to like put it down uh, <laughs> after like playing Slay the Spire for like two hours straight and oh. be like, this so I hands the best. a little bit. I'm, I'm, I, I, I had the best idea <laughs> yeah. the other day. Uh, I forget why I felt so fucked up, but suffice it to say I did. <laughs> might have just been COVID, might have just been sleep deprivation because the dogs, but either way, I just felt awful. And I was like, oh, I just want to lie flat. I just want to lie flat on my back. <laughs> and then I realized goals for for like an upgrade to home living situation. Yeah. Projector for the ceiling. Projector. Projector. You just lie on your back. You look straight up, but you yeah. lie like a corpse. You yeah, just lie yeah, yeah. on your back, like holding holding your controller <laughs> yeah. over your chest like it's a Bible. <laughs> and you just look up and that's, you just play games or watch TV. That's a game. Looking at the ceiling without having to like raise your head. Oh, I love this. You know what you should get? Uh, you should look. Uh, the people have claimed they are surprisingly decent, but it's those glasses that like project like you can mirror like game displays and other displays on them like um i forget which ones i've seen people using but that might you might be able to do that rob without having to put a like twelve hundred dollar projector on your floor (laughs) spinning at the ceiling but you might be able to get like something where you'd be able to mirror something onto a uh a set of uh Fancy tech glasses. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look up which ones mm-hmm. the people were talking about. By the way, like just all those days where you're like, man, I just feel awful. I just need to I just need to lie down. But I need but I game. want a game. <laughs> I just see I thought you were gonna yeah. go for the um and you can do that with the steam deck. Just hold it over your face and then it's too heavy. This is what I will, inevi- I will inevitably it drop real. it on my face. You know, the way you could you ever yeah. drop your cell phone on your face because you're just, just like being too lazy yeah. and oh, kind of God. fucking yes. <laughs> yes. Or you're like trying uh, to read too late at night and you're just you fall asleep while yes, holding it yes. above your head and you just like clonk yourself in the nose. <laughs> yep. It's, it's just like, like ooh, I taste copper. Oh no. <laughs> oh, it's uh yeah. the funniest way to be slightly embarrassed at in in a way that nobody else is gonna see or care about. <laughs> just like the, yeah, well, and also uh, like that happens a couple times. Like MK's like, you should just go to sleep. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm reading. I'm having a good time. And it's like you dropped your phone like four times. He's <laughs> trying to like, nah. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, before we go and before I figure out what the fuck is haunting my apartment, <laughs> we should check out some emails. Uh, this is a bit of a long one, but it's such a cool thing that we just need to share the existence of this place uh, with the world. Uh. Kent writes, hello, gang. The perennial topic of Robin and speakers came briefly on a recent pod. This is written back in November and dislodged an anecdote y'all might find interesting. Many years ago, I lived in bumfuck middle of nowhere, Japan, specifically part of a peninsula in Nagasaki prefecture between Nagasaki city proper and the city of Sasebo called Saikai. At first glance, Saikai does not have a lot going on aside from agriculture, natural beauty, fading coal towns and a shipyard. But my anecdote concerns a hidden gem. By the way, that sound, that town sounds fucking awesome, though. Agricultural, natural beauty, and old industry. You're speaking my language. Uh, the Anyoku Hakubutsukan, which the museum itself has decided to translate as the Sound Shower Museum, 
is a small repurposed elementary school way, way up in the mountains, accessible only by a series of small mountain roads. It's kind of a monument to old technology. Their collection has all sorts of stuff from old farming equipment and magazines to cameras, slide projectors, and telephones. But the bulk of what is on display is records between LPs, SPs, and more esoteric formats like Edison wax cylinders and the like. There are roughly 160,000 records covering everything from popular Western music, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Bowie, etc., jazz and classical to much more obscure Japanese releases. The real gem here, though, is the speakers. In what was once presumably the auditorium for the school, they have a collection of speakers that roughly correspond to decades, a set from the 1930s, 1940s, 50s, and so on up through the 80s, in addition to a few gramophone and other playback equipment for the weirder formats, as well as turntables and amps and such. The best part about this is the records are not on display. For a very minimal fee... When I was last there uh, in 2013, 500 yen or roughly $500 for the whole day, you can grab whatever you like, bring it over to the speaker collection, and play it. This is where the name comes from. The yoku in onyoku is where is the word for bath or bathing, and it is the same word from the term uh, shinrin-yoku, or forest bathing, where you go out into the woods to engage with nature. The concept here is to do the same with sound and music. I am not an audiophile, but puttering around here for an afternoon, I certainly came to understand the appeal. Louis Armstrong hits very, very different on speakers from the 1940s as compared to ones from the 1970s, as does Pink Floyd, Elvis, Queen, or Beethoven, or Enka, which is basically Japanese country. I don't know how much of this comes down to changes in technology or manufacturers choosing to accentuate different ranges based on what the dominant popular music was at the time, but the change in sound is profound from one speaker set to another. Given how remote and difficult to get to the place is, basically every visit I made made to it was just me and a few museum attendants who are always very chill and eager to recommend things to try. Uh, the website is only in Japanese, but if you want to poke around, just look at the pictures or try running through Google Translate. The URL is here, and it's on yoku.org, uh, and it does look incredibly cool. What a cool what a what a cool concept though for a place. Yeah. Like, just being able to go engage with like old technology and just kind of like hang out with it. That's really neat. Yeah, that's sick. I need to, I want to go there. (laughs) Rob, this sounds like a place that's far away that you couldn't go to. This is out of reach. Now, what if I told you on April 12th to April 14th, the Schaumburg convention center, just outside of Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Oh my God! Is the Audio Expo uh. North America? Um, Rob, what if I to- what if I what if I was to link you to this and show you like the listening rooms? Two hundred listening rooms. Look at this listening room, Rob. Don't you want to be here? That looks like a fucking tuba. Oh my God! Yeah, horn speakers. Oh shit! Whoa. Oh, and look at that stack of. Amps and receivers and DACs. <laughs> you know, if you stack that many things on a on a rack together, you know it's good. Yeah, you know you're gonna hear better music. <laughs> oh my god, that's like that's like five big boxes full of full of. <laughs> They're making the and, sounds better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, god, that does look. Oh, that'd be such a fucking blast, Patrick. Here's the problem. 
there's distinct chance like you'd have to wrestle my credit card away from me at some point then because i guarantee you what would happen i guarantee you i would go listen to some sort of like electrostatic headphone Mm -hmm. and they'd be like well that's ten thousand (laughs) dollars And I'd be well, like, yeah, I, "That's good. wow, that's interesting. That's my credit limit." Yeah, exactly. So, like, oh, so you're saying I can oh walk out of here with this God. right now? <laughs> oh no! It's like this is the best thing I've ever heard, Patrick. What can you put a price on that? These people have. I think it's quite reasonable. <laughs> the credit card will go through. <laughs> that's clear. As, that's as good as that's as good as it being affordable. <laughs> It'll clear that enough oh my god 600 plus high-end audio brands i want to go to these listening rooms this sounds amazing 200 listening rooms 200 i wouldn't even have time it'd be like well and also patter you're like Look, oh if you, you, if no, you, you don't want to if you, you buy ahead of time there. if you buy between january 16th and april actually if you buy early which is before the 15th of january three-day pass is 50 bucks that's what do you suppose 50% off day of tickets <laughs> Friday and Saturday 8 to 9 30 is a concert like what do you suppose huh. the concert is at and also what's the audio set you know what I mean like I'm wondering like what I'm trying to look Friday night about, like, concert Saturday night concert whoever's like Running the running the mix and production for that concert, like talk about your Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Like that audience <laughs> yeah. is not going to sit for anything that doesn't sound fucking extraordinary. Yeah, God. The ear gear experience will take up one of the convention center's large ballrooms to enhance the listening experience for personal audio. Everything from open back, closed back, in-ear headphones and accessories, cables Ooh. and players that go into a personal audio rig will be on display at the ear gear experience uh ear gear. well and so the other problem the other great thing patrick that i think you'd really love attending something like yeah. this for me is obviously to really assess the stuff you're listening to you gotta listen to the same stuff through each side oh right yeah right so right. you'd be like i'd be I like got patrick, my fla- i got my flack i got my flack files on a usb stick like i got consistency here or is usb you, not good you, enough no like, no you, like, you, you'd be like can we please li- can we li- can we not listen to Genesis's One for the Vine again? <laughs> can we not can we not do that? And I'm like, listen, if it if <laughs> if the bridge doesn't hit, uh, then this speaker just doesn't work. So no, I'm, fr- I'm sorry. Like how how long is this track? I don't know. It's like five minutes, six minutes. But Jesus you're gonna have to listen to all of it. That's how. And then we're gonna listen to uh uh variation on theme by Thomas Tallis. Like that's just how it's gonna. That's just how it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm. Yeah, I looked. I looked up the live music. I thought maybe it might be like a concert film that's just like played through incredible speakers. I guess a way of demonstrating tech. But no, it's actually like last year. I, I'm assuming it's called Axpona mm-hmm. with the acronym a- Annie Bison, a Canadian jazz singer songwriter, will be taking the stage to close the first day of Axpona, bringing with her her beautiful voice, bold arrangements, and a taste of the '70s. I think the funniest possible thing is for me to go to this and just send <laughs> Rob photos. Like, how long just can I take photos? Uh, how long can I take a seven-year-old to the Axpona before oh, I'm before no, you, I am rudely you've got kicked us. out? Not by Axpona, but by my daughter being like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" 
You've got to send uh, uh, voice notes. Just voice notes. Like, listen to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rob, we're listening. We're we're listening to the Paw Patrol theme. Um, uh, here in the listening room. Uh, <laughs> God. But, hey, check this out. It's like mm. a couple of like low end JBL speakers. And it's like, great. Yeah, no, you what a find at Expona. Good work. Yeah. That's uh bring that sound system to life, baby. Amazing. This Amazing. JBL is waterproof. <laughs> it has, I can put it, it next Spotify to my integration. <laughs> Apple music, please. Oh my god. Um <laughs> Uh, Alex writes, Dearest Remap, a new year is rolled in. So Nintendo sent me the standard, your year in review email. I curiously logged in to learn something about myself to be surprised that my number one uh, game was Fortnite with over, over 70 hours played. The thing is, I've never played Fortnite on Switch. And the most played was a few days after my Switch was stolen in Paris. <laughs> so alas, I learned both that the thieves are big Fortnite fans, and also that Nintendo doesn't log you out of your stolen Switch when you do an account recovery. Insurance Aww. bought me a nice new Switch OLED upgrade, which I've been using since November. That is beautiful. That is that is terrific. This is like when somebody stole my... um, God. Somebody stole my Nook, and... Because my credit card was logged in, like they just kept buying stuff on Nook. Oh but my God. I, I must have, you know, I probably didn't steal. It probably wasn't stolen. I probably left it somewhere. Because uh-huh. the per- uh-huh. listen, you know what this person bought? Hmm. The Bible. <laughs> uh, and a couple like Bible study, uh, like companion volumes. The, they were like they were really they're really working on their relationship with Jesus uh, on my neck. <laughs> Maybe they're trying uh, to tell so, you something, Rob. Maybe they're just trying to send true. a message. <laughs> there's too much 40k now. There's too much 40k nonsense on here. What you need? What you need? Uh, you you need to uh, worry less about worry less about the God Emperor <laughs> of mankind. You need to think more about Jesus. Uh yeah, but that that is terrific. Uh, that somebody somebody stole somebody stole your switch just to play a bunch of Fortnite on it. That is that is beautiful. I mean, there are worse outcomes, right? Where someone spams your credit card, causes a bunch of havoc. There, they're just playing a free to play game. Didn't even get the battle pass. That's true. That's true. I'm looking. I'm looking now because my my switch was stolen in. Late August, uh, doesn't seem that they've played anything because these these are all my numbers: <laughs> Legends, Tears of the Kingdom, Pokemon Unite. I think they. I don't know if if or where that switch is, but the thieves were like <laughs> these load times and frame rates. What the fuck do they do this? This is uh, in the Switch Pro. I mean, I imagine most of the time those get flipped and then someone. You know, yeah, takes the account off. I think it's much funnier that someone just kept playing on the existing account. She's like, "Fuck it." (laughs) Uh, I that's it's much. It's funnier, but I had a friend once who had their like credit card stolen. Um, and I or I think it was both the credit card and. 
they're logging to like Amazon or something. Um, and the way that this person let it be known that that had happened, that they had done this, they had taken it, was to send them a book in the mail ordered through their Amazon account called How Do You kn- How to Know If Your Identity Has Been Stolen. <laughs> <laughs> incredible they're just like wow (laughs) just i mean like they i I don't know what the story was like we never figured it out like obviously there was like no other communication aside from that but just like what a beautiful like how much other shit did they say or was that it was that it that was it that was it that was it there was no other like what a a gray hat move yes exactly this is some gray hat was like i did it just to see if i could but Hey, by the way, like, your, shit your shit got together. owned. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, just is... still one of the funniest fucking ways to learn that uh, <laughs> that you're, I, <laughs> you, you got hacked. It's just, what is, <clears throat> what is this? What is this email for an Amazon order I didn't put in? What? What do you mean order confirmed? How to tell if your identity has been stolen? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, well, uh, that concludes another episode of Remap Radio. Our theme, mac- theme music is by Tumelo. You can check out his work on tumelo.net. You can follow everything we do at Remap Radio on Twitch, Blue Sky, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. Once again, we rely on our audience for support, and you can sign up to become a backer by going to remapradio.com and following the links and instructions you see there. Uh, this week, Patreon subscribers already heard Patrick and I talk about the bright, bright future of the Chicago Bears. Uh, and how the bears are back. Uh, it was, it was touch and go there for a while, but I think we're, we're confident now the the bears, the, the bears are <laughs> like, they're going to take the North and they're not uh-huh. going to give it back. Not a chance. Rob, you said, pa- you said Patreon. Oh, that's right. Uh, look, sometimes <laughs> I, get con- I have so many. You've got too many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our Base. memberful backers. Yeah, our, our, our supporters. Our subscribers. Yeah. Basic uh, level and above. <laughs> the point is, your support also lets us set time aside for streaming this week. Uh, Kyle and Patrick, what do you got cooking? We're playing uh, Lunacy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, at uh, 20, how many frames per second, Kato? Are we 24. S- 24. at now? Yeah. 100%. 24 frames a second. Uh, the only frames that matter yeah. uh, of Lunacid. Yeah, we made it to the next major area of this uh, very good Kingsfield inspired video game. And I'm I'm anxious to see what lies ahead and when I can fuck up the next checkpoint. Super excited to, yeah, get deeper and figure out if there's some way to play that VHS somewhere. Yeah, we got to figure <laughs> that out. Don't tell me, but I'm presuming there's, there's something funky going on. Yeah, there. yeah. Um and I said I was going to start a, a, a stream thing when we had our meeting earlier this week, but I think I'm going to do that next week. But keep an eye out in the mornings if you enjoyed the old, the old, uh, the old uh, get up every morning with a, with a bit of an RPG thing. Like, there's some something around the corner. Uh, and I, I know the holiday has just ended, but I feel like we could just tell. Like, so, okay, we did all of our Game of the Year stuff. Yeah. And it was fine. Um, I hope you enjoyed you know, it. We should but wait think, to talk about this with Janet. I think we need to actually. Should we? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're going to. Point is. Yeah. 
maybe we feel differently about some things now that we played some more games. Uh, I, I, I feel I feel pretty good about mine, but yes, I think some lessons have been learned about. Uh, yeah, we'll get into details later because I want to announce it ahead of time just to let people know how we kind of thought through it. But uh, yeah, um, when you don't have to rely on the traffic that the thing Game of the Year says, maybe there's a different way of doing things. And so <laughs> next week when Janet's back, we'll we'll talk through uh, some some of that. You know, some people write lists and some people don't. So, you know, uh, some people God, are still doing all... it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing it. It's happening slowly. <laughs> Make a twine game about making a twine game about making a game. Mm-hmm. Of your list. You you're not mm-hmm. that far mm-hmm. off. You're oh, not fuck that, you. you! I'm making bastard. a twine game. Oh my the god! The twine game okay. is happening. That's why it's taking taking extra extra time. Well, we'll be back next week with another episode of Remap Radio. <laughs> Until then, thanks so much for choosing to spend some of your time with us. Fuck capitalism. Go home. And I guess we're getting this under the wire. Happy New Year. 